Welcome to the Masters of Modern Recruiting podcast, helping you keep up with the brilliant minds in the ever-changing world of modern recruiting. And now, here's your host, Derek Zeller. Hey, recruiting maniacs, it's Derek Zeller, back for another helping of cool podcastness with my new friend, Mr. Ira Wolf. Ira, how are you, man? I'm doing wonderful there, Derek. It's been a good day, a busy day. Got in late last night from a conference out in Texas and you know, jumped right back into it. Awesome. You did a lot of public speaking. I have been. I, I just somebody said today is, you know, that boy, you really loved it. The book must be doing great. And, but I, I never at this stage, not I can't say at this stage in my life for the last 20 years, I really did not want to be a road warrior. Mm-hmm. You know, if I did one or two a month, that was great. But I've done like 15 or 16 different presentations in the last six weeks. And wow. and they seem to be all lined up. Like if I get one, then like three people want me on the next consecutive day. So, but it's been good. I, I've met a lot of good people. I'm sure we'll be talking about some of the things I've learned and seen out on the on the road, you know, talking with companies, but it's been good. But yeah, I'm spending way too much out yeah. on the road. And not, and not for fun stuff. Not that it's not fun, but know, not, on, fun. not on beaches and cruises. Yeah, it's it's a yeah, it's quick quick stops at different hotels and never really getting your bearings straight. It's kind of irritating. Yeah, three cities, two countries, and forty eight hours is pushing it. Wow, it is pushing it. So the book is recruiting in the age of Googleization. Tell me a little bit about the book. Thanks. Yeah, it came out last year. I. I Probably when I look back, I probably wrote it for about two years. And I, I never actually ever sit down and think about writing a book. It's usually I, I write a lot of articles, do a lot of videos, do a lot of podcasts, do a lot of interviews. And then one day I say, I'm going to let me put it all together. But the recruiting in the age of Googleization was kind of an evolution of another book. I wrote Geek Skeezers and Googleization in 2008, 2009. And it was due for an update, you know, I mean, we were talking about millennials in that book. It was of all the generations. It was about the four generations, the baby boomers, Gen X, millennials. And I really trashed them and I bashed them and, you know, did everything else everybody else did to millennials at that point. And, uh, you know, I said, hey, they grew up and it's, you know, let's talk about Generation Z. And when I went to the book, the Googleization part, which was talking about how technology was changing every generation, I realized that I didn't even talk about the iPad or tablets at that point. And I thought, how did I miss it? And then I looked up and the iPad wasn't brought to the market until 2010. Right. So I said, I, I got to bring this book, uh, you know, I got to bring the context back to it. And, you know, I'm fascinated by technology and change. And I did a TED talk two years ago, and it was about change and exponential change, how fast things are moving. And so the book really became, Recruiting in the Age of Googleization really became more about Googleization, you know, and then the backstop was, okay, here's the world we live in today, here, or, or here's what the future of work will look like. And within that context, this is how companies are going to have to recruit. So the first half of the book is all about change and technology and, you know, AI and 3D printing and give lots of examples there. And then the you know, part of it is, okay, now that we know this is what the world looks like, you know, what's the process for recruiting in that. And even though it's out less than a year, I probably could write two or three other ones because as you and I were talking about right before the, we started a record, there's just every day something changes, every, every single day. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I got a chance to play with Google Hire 
active and stuff for them, some press releases and things like that. I was very impressed with their application tracking system. I like the fact that it's in the inbox, you know, so you never have to leave your mm-hmm. inbox. That's a big thing for me. I, I like I live in my calendar and my inbox predominantly even more so than I do in the applicant tracking system. I thought it was interesting to see. And well, like you and I were talking as well, that most people don't know the indexing, how Google indexes things. And now with Indeed and Google coming into Google Hire and starting to get probably moving further into the recruiting world with products, you were telling me that Google like doesn't highly index the Indeed jobs anymore? Yeah, no, absolutely. So here, here's the deal. Close to 75%. In fact, I, I saw last night a new statistics. I'm trying to drill down the source. But, you know, roughly three out of four people who are searching for a job really start their search on Google. They don't necessarily open, pick up their phone or their smartphone or go to their desktop and, and go directly to Indeed. They, they just go to Google search. And again, Google search dominates it. Well, about a, 15 months ago, Google released Google for jobs search. And it's a, it's a specialized search within Google. And so if, if you have a job posting and it shows up in Google search, or it used to show up in Google search, now it needs to show up in Google for jobs. And Google for jobs has specific criteria how it gets there. One of the two ways that you can get there is through what they call a third-party integrator, which would be Monster, Career Builder, Facebook, LinkedIn, ZipRecruiter, and many of the ATS systems. So if you're using one of those, your jobs will show up in Google for jobs. Now there's, there's a couple caveats there. We can go down that rabbit hole if you want, but (laughs) in order to address your question about Indeed, Indeed's jobs are not included in Google for jobs. So for companies that rely, I won't say exclusively, but predominantly on Indeed for advertising their jobs, Mm -hmm. their jobs are not showing up in the Google for jobs search, which is a problem. If three out of four job seekers start their search in Google, but employers are relying on Indeed and Indeed jobs don't show up in Google for in this Google search engine, you know, there's a pretty huge gap with job seeker behavior of how it's getting done. And as soon as they say it, it's amazing. You know, I, I used to get offended when everybody in the middle of a, of, a, of a presentation used to reach down and pull out their smartphone. And now I realize what they're doing is they're checking to see if the jobs show up. And inevitably, somebody will say, we can't find our jobs. How do we get them there? <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and I'm, you know, I'm not, you know, some of them are talking to small companies or HR generalists, but, you know, a lot of people come up after me. I, I, the presentation I did Tuesday, I would probably say I got 20 or 30 business cards of people saying, hey, can, can I call you? And these were, these had, you know, VP, director, of HR, of talent acquisition, they didn't realize, you know, what was going on. So, and so that's different from, you know, Google for hire, but within that is not only do companies have to figure out how to get their jobs listed in Google for jobs, but then you also want them to rank high because Google in the Google for jobs listing, it will show the top three jobs and which is where you want to be. And then if you click on it, it'll open up a hundred more jobs, but you, you want to make sure that you're listed even in the top hundred. And now you're into search engine optimization. So here we are, you and I were talking about recruiting and all I've been talking about was search engine optimization and a lot of web techie geeky stuff. 
And that just blows the mind of, of HR and recruiters. In fact, I start my presentation now. I say, there's two things I want to tell everybody. One is, I'll guarantee them that there's, they're not going to like what I have to say, right. but I'll guarantee them that they're going to leave with information they didn't know, nor have they heard anywhere else. And both statements are true. Interesting. I think it's, you know, it's for years that I've been in this business, one of the things that one of the, there's always the, the fun little catchphrases, right? There's a lid for every pot. But one of the favorites, it always seems to be for me, is like post and pray. And then now we have what we call sourcing or sorcerers that has been resurrected from just general recruiting for these people or the types of folks that go out there. They're like information gatherers and seekers. Now they're using, now we have tools to find emails like and phone numbers. You know, this is this whole podcast is sponsored by Engage Talent. Engage Talent does all that for you and both you the predictive and analytics of an individual, the possibility of them actually even looking for a job, but not necessarily maybe being out on it on a Google, you know, a Google doing a Google search or doing an Indeed search. Or maybe they are, but they're doing it listfully. Then you know, just kind of maybe if I see something that really catches my eye. From a sourcing standpoint, though, you know, people are getting targeted phone calls, targeted emails. What is your thoughts on sourcing somebody that that may or may not be looking? For example, on a Google or an Indeed. Well, I mean, you, you, you talk about, uh, I guess, the terminology that we use. You know, it's a, that's the passive candidate. You know, someone who is in a job, but maybe you know, if they get called, they might take your call if it sounds interesting, or if they're having a bad day at work. You know, type thing. But I mean, the model that you know certainly what Engage does, you know, is looking for even changes within the culture that. You know, today I'm, I'm comfortable, but my VP just announced that he's leaving or the company may be acquired or merged or they're going to purchase another company. I mean, there's a billion changes why things happen. And does that change my willingness to look for another position? And, you know, I think that the concept and I think the way things are going and, and frankly, I, I don't want to offend anybody who happens to be you know, out of work at the moment when I say this, but most people, the majority of people that companies are looking to hire already have a job. And so even if, you know, nobody likes the word poaching and headhunting and all that stuff, but, you know, frankly, as most people that a company wants to hire already have a job. And the reason they'll switch may be, you know, more money, more respect, more learning opportunity, more career opportunity, better benefits, or some simple things like shorter commute, you know. So whatever it is, you know, that data is important. And I think sourcing has gone beyond, hey, let's have this huge funnel, you know, have a message and whether you are using Indeed Career Builder or social media, whatever it is, let's let everybody know that we have a job opening. You know, a lot of people won't respond to that, especially people above that associate hourly level. But you know, there's a lot of people who would be willing to either leave their job or consider leaving their job for the right opportunity. And how do you how do you reach them? So, sourcing's got much more sophisticated, complex, still based on the same principles it was as before. But it's not just a matter of making a lot of dials and having a big rolodex. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And I think it's concept too is one of the is like how you actually engage with the candidate themselves. I get, I'm, I'm sure you do too, you know, you get the this, this spam emails saying, hey, 
you know, your name in, in parentheses or something like that because it was blocked out. You know, we thought you might be interested, but why would you think that I would be interested in a job? They never actually tell you why they think it. You know what I mean? That's kind of why I like Engage because they tell you why the reasoning behind it. But go back to the so you know everybody's talking about AI, machine learning. You know, it's going to replace recruiters. Is always my favorite. But sitting out there in kind of the in the multiverse, if you will, of things that are going to disrupt recruiting, blockchain is becoming slowly a conversation I'm hearing kind of about. It used to be once in a while, then it started coming up to be, you know, once or twice a week. Now it's practically almost, I hear about it almost every day now. You and I were talking a little bit about offline on blockchain. What are your thoughts for blockchain in recruiting? And how would it be successful or how would you use it? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And as I told you before we went on, if there's an area of technology that I, I feel I'm really stretching my abilities, it's probably understanding blockchain. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I understand enough to really, really be dangerous. And, you know, for a while, it's like, well, you know, if somebody asked, if you asked that question to me a year ago, I'd say I have no idea because to me, blockchain was about Bitcoin and Bitcoin was about you know, replacing currency. And, you know, and, and it is, I mean, it's, it's part of that. But as I understand it, and the way that I've learned to explain it, and I've asked a couple of people who are really knowledgeable about it, and they go, yeah, that's, you know, that's a rough explanation of it, but it's true, is right now we're concerned with our privacy and all that information. And, and part of it, it's because it's all built on old technology. I mean, it's still built on the same structure. It's built on an internet backbone. And it's just been, you know, thanks to Google, a collection of all the information has been compiled in one place. So everything is out there. And if you learn how to hack the code, break into a computer, you can get there. So what's the protection? Well, everybody put these firewalls up and the, you know, the software programs to prevent hackers from getting in. But that doesn't give us any control. That says, throw all our personal information into this big giant pot and we'll protect it for you. And, you know, obviously that's not working out real well. But what happens if, if it's us as individuals, we were able to control the release of that information? Who got to see it? And, you know, again, this is a very, very rough description. But if there's a sentence and it's made up of words or a paragraph, and it describes who we are, and it gave all our personal information in there. But what if it was distributed over the internet, you know, the blockchain software? It's distributed by nodes that every node that was out there held only one digit. So even like in the word, you know, in my name, IRA, you know, I is in one place, R is in another, and A is in another. Those independent letters don't mean anything, but we as an individual own a code and that single code allows us to control how those are combined and who gets to see what. And it sounds really complicated, but apparently, you know, from what I understand, it won't be when, when it gets rolling. So we take all our financials, we take all our personal information, we take all our conversations, our emails, our passwords, everything else. Everything's still up in the internet, but we have this personalized code that we're able to determine that I'm willing to release that to a recruiter or I'm willing to release that to my healthcare provider or to my bank. Mm -hmm. 
that changes the conversation because now every individual has the ability to protect their information and choose how it's released. So, you know, you and I briefly talked about, you know, about this example and that I always give when people say, well, I'm so concerned about this. I hate devices. I think you described yourself as having the, you know, <laughs> wearing the tinfoil around. So yeah, it's a tinfoil hat. <laughs> yeah. And that's all valid. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm certainly concerned with how a lot of the information gets out there, you know, my information as well. But I also like the benefit of having it out there that hopefully someday people are, you know, there's going to be cures for cancer and Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, you know, things that I hope I'd never get, but I know family members and friends who have, who have had it, who have been afflicted with it. If someone could say, you know, based on your spending habits, your exercise patterns, the food you eat, how many miles you traveled, the address you live on, the community you live on, it's all this stuff that we never didn't necessarily put it together. But because it's all out there, there's AI is able to detect that I'm more susceptible. And if I make these three minor changes in my life, I could prevent myself from getting this disease or slowing it down. And I'd say, wow, I'd love to have that. I mean, before I get sick or before I develop a chronic disease, I can literally make changes along the way. And everybody always says they're willing to give up some of their privacy in order to do that. But right now, it's all or none. I mean, we either give up all our privacy or we give up none. And if we give up none, which may be impossible anymore, there's serious consequences that we may not like. And if we give it all up, there's consequences too, but there seems to be benefits coming from that. Blockchain tends to be our personal protector when it, you know, I can't say it's it's certainly sophisticated now, but when it becomes readily available to everybody and, you know, in the delivery system and everybody figures out how to understand it. And it'll come there. I think it's going to come in finance. I think finance, it's going to come first. It's already been there with Bitcoin and it's going to come in healthcare. Healthcare records will definitely be under blockchain in the next three years. There's no question about it. So instead of using HIPAA or on top of HIPAA? Well, it's going to be how you enforce HIPAA. <laughs> so. Yeah. Okay. I mean, right now, HIPAA is not enforced at all because you walk into a doctor's office and they say, sign in. You know, in fact, there is no HIPAA. I mean, HIPAA took away the low-hanging fruit. Let's not be stupid about it. Let's not throw out all the paper records into the trash can in the back. But it still gets done. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, they are, you know, you, we both been around long enough that there was a paper world and there was no technology. And it's like, you know, we'll all be digital and be no paper. Well, the more technology is out there, the more paper we use. Because people still print things. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, and healthcare is notorious for doing that. Uh, you go in and, I mean, even the labels. I mean, you go and you get blood drawn and they print out labels. Well, those labels have all our information on it. Right. And with, yeah, so you don't think about things like that. I think we're, we get to a certain degree where you just get comfortable and that's just the way it is kind of attitude. Well, I can log in. I mean, I can log in right now. I, I haven't had a blood test in a couple of weeks, but I mean, I, I can log in right now and look at all my records for the last six or seven years since I moved into the area and pull them up. So they're under a secure site and, you know, there's PDFs I can download, but I download them and put them in my records occasionally to carry to the doctor because sometimes the doctor doesn't have them, you know, available. 
but as soon as I do that, I break the code. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I left it there. I put it on my desk. What if somebody broke in? What if other people download them? So it's secure, but only to a degree. And it's only as secure until a hacker breaks into the healthcare system that I use. And now all of a sudden they have that information. And there are holes all over the place because insurance companies have access to, to my information. So they already created a gateway into there but I have no control to say, well, I don't want that insurance company to get my information or I don't want that doctor to see my information. So blockchain is going to change all that. And so going back to what we're talking about with recruiting, you know, right now is, you, you know, everybody says, well, if you want to get a job, you know, make sure you're on LinkedIn, have a good account, make sure your resume is current. We're sending things back and forth. You know, HR recruiting is horrible because everybody says, well, what about emailing your resume or even uploading a PDF? Well, that information's not secure when you do that. So blockchain will allow us to encode it, encrypt it, put it up there. And the only people that are going to be able to see it are the people that we allow to see it. So I think the direction that it's moving is it's not going to necessarily make it easier to recruit, but maybe job seekers will be more readily willing to share the information that they have because they know it's not just going to be out there floating around. So I don't know how soon, I mean, I've heard estimates from 2020 to 2050. So I, I think there's a lot of work to be done, but it's definitely going to continue to be disrupted. But you're definitely going to hear more about, I think as soon as you hear blockchain is being utilized in healthcare, then it's, I think it's just around the corner till it's going to change the way companies control their employee data. Yeah, because it really kind of boils down to that, right? How the employer is taking care of your data just as much Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, access to it as well. I mean, well, think of all the information they have. I mean, employers still have filing cabinets with paper files in them. You know, you have your applications, they email resumes and credentials from one person to an, you know, from, you know, to the hiring manager, you know, that's not all very secure and, and not that there's, you know, there shouldn't be personal information on there such as the social security, but you know, all you need is, you know, your name, address, your past couple employers, your, you know, other information and AI starts putting all the pieces together. And sooner or later, you know, there is an algorithm that will figure out who you are, where you bank, how much money you have in your bank account and any chronic diseases you've got. So, you know, they're able to put it all together. So those processes are really broken. I mean, I don't, I'm not here to, you know, you, you probably have like triple layer tinfoil on your head by now. <laughs> so you're in a full, coat, a full coat of armor, right? Right, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, but the system, as much as we think that it's protected, it's, it's really not. So I look toward technology to help make that better. Hopefully I'll be, you know, be alive and active and, and when it happens. So yeah, I, I think blockchain is, is certainly way over the top. You know, I'm, I'm struggling, you know, as in yesterday, when I start talking about things like SEO, you know, search engine optimization of job postings. Now we're talking about blockchain, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and we're talking about how artificial intelligence is going to uh, affect recruitment. You know, that's, that's going to come before blockchain. But that's only going to make the reason to have blockchain that much more important because the more AI gets involved, the better companies get at hiring the right people, retaining the right people, even improving their wellness. 
you know, work-life balance. I mean, almost anything that you can think of, AI is going to offer a lot of benefits, but it also means that there's a huge invasion of privacy with that. And, you know, I, I have a, a new talk that I, I gave. I just did it a couple of weeks ago at a conference and, and everybody loved the title when it was how to keep the H in HR. You know, and, and it's beyond, you know, what I had a discussion just an hour or so ago on, on my podcast and talking about the Me Too movement and sexual harassment and sexual assault in the workplace. It's beyond that. I mean, it's what's the ethical issues just because we can do all these things, including blockchain, just because we can do it, should we be doing it? Mm-hmm. I mean, and nobody in our space, in our industry is really talking about that. You know, you hear talk, people talk about the ethics of it and how it's going to be used. And, oh, yeah, we guarantee, you know, we protect your privacy. We have good servers. We do this, we do that. But it's, it really is, it's pretty weak. It's, it's scratching the surface. It's the best we got. But there's really not a lot of serious conversation of, you know, again, what can be done and what should be done. Yeah, that's, that's kind of always a dilemma of so many things. It's pretty crazy. It's sad that you have to say that, but it really is kind of like boils and down to it. And at this point, it's happening faster than I can even keep up with it. And, and not that I, I should be the, the marker out there, the benchmark. But when I talk to, you know, friends, relatives, companies, businesses, colleagues, you know, I'm, I'm usually the person, you know, so what's new this week? Yeah. Uh, and, and I think, and I'm falling way behind. I mean, I, it's just difficult to keep up with things as it is. So that, then there's a lot of, you know, then you hear the fears out there. It's like, oh, I would never have Alexa you know, I never use Siri. I don't even have a smartphone. Well, the problem is then you get left behind. Yeah. If you're not utilizing that, which leads to, you know, the other conversation in addition to talking about, like, when I talk about why people have to be, figure out how to get listed on Google for jobs, not that that's the end all and be all, but the process involves a couple things that are going to be critically important because in the next 18 months, they're anticipating that 50% of all search will originate by voice. So whether you're using Siri, Google Home, Cortana, Alexa, even getting a job, I mean, taking it back to what we started our conversation with, we've been all over the board, you know, that what's going to stop me from, or, or job seeker from saying, Hey, Alexa, you're thinking about changing my job. Which company could you recommend that pays more than 75000 a year, my commute time is going to be less than 15 minutes for an engineer. And it's going to come back and give you a suggestion because it, it's been listening to you <laughs> at home. So it knows about you. And it says, oh, we, we've got, we, there's three companies, but I think this one, you know, I think this one would be best because it's got benefits because you have a newborn child. <laughs> or, you know, you're almost 50 years old, whatever it might be, it's going to know everything about you, make a recommendation, where you should go based on the benefits that some company offers. So from an employer standpoint, how are you going to be that one company that shows up in the voice search as a result? And it's way different than it is today. Because today is, oh, let's make sure we have the title, use a couple of key words, do a couple of meta descriptions, do a couple of images, throw a video on there. I mean, it's all the search engine optimization stuff, but what happens when it's voice? And here's the next part. And I, I know I shared this and I said it, it changes every day. So Monday, I walked out of, I think, the airport or somewhere. And, you know, I opened my emails getting off the plane. And I see this thing about Google's new releases. And if you remember a couple months ago, Google Duplex came in. That's where you talk to Google Home and it called to make a reservation or an appointment for him, I think, at a beauty shop. 
or a massage or something like that, or at a restaurant that you say, hey, I'd, I'd like to, you know, Google, can you please call my favorite restaurant and make a reservation for four of us at seven o'clock? And it did that. What happens when the job seeker says, hey, I'm looking for my job, and it goes, hey, I'm interested, Google, can you call and see if you can get me an appointment or see what the process is? And the device actually does all the work for you. It submits your resume. It actually may call, make the appointment for you for an interview. What's the employer going to do? I mean, now they literally may not be talking to a person. They may be talking to the robot making appointments for (laughs) and submitting the resumes for the job seeker on their behalf. Vice versa is, it could be the other way around. Employers that are sophisticated enough, you may be interviewed by a bot and do that by a chat bot now. And that's all, you know, we're not talking 2050. I mean, we're talking 2020. Wow. Ira, it was great talking to you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, we can go on for, yeah, we're scratching the surface here. I know. We could, we could talk for hours on some of these topics. Yeah. But I, okay. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. yeah um, man. We'll even have you back on again. This is, uh, we'll talk some more. We need, after we figure out the blockchain stuff. Yeah, if you talk to me, I always say, I've, I've given back-to-back presentations and people say, well, I heard you yesterday and I go, come back, it'll be different today. <laughs> <laughs> and, and oftentimes, there's always something that's going to be different. That's true. Hey, I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, you guys are doing a great job. I love your, your platform and have a good day. Thank you. Take care. You've been listening to the Masters of Modern Recruiting podcast with your host, Derek Zeller, empowered by Engage Talent. To learn more about Engage and how modern recruiters everywhere are discovering new passive candidates and getting to them faster than ever before, schedule your demo today at www.engagetalent.com forward slash request dash a dash demo. Thank you for listening and see you on the next episode.